season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Homer Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. JKR Podcast. My name is Jace Riglin and I'm the host. We are back here with episode number two of three this weekend. Had a great episode yesterday with Brian Stewart, Kraken Bat Grip CEO. Got another great episode here today. We got Clear CEO Luke Schneider on the show. Great company, working their way into MLB organizations, minor league teams, MLB teams, moving into the player side of things here pretty soon. They're continuously growing. Uh, just great dude here with Luke. Had a great conversation with him. You guys are definitely going to be definitely going to enjoy it. I'm excited to share this knowledge, share share this content with you guys today. Um, but today we're going to discuss overall the idea for the product came about when he was actually in high school before he went on to go play college ball among some of the greats there at Stetson. Uh, we dig into the production process, how it all got started, what the prototypes were like. Uh, t- we talk about what it's like working with MLB organizations and how about the, how they're all different on, on their order styles, stuff like that. Uh, we talk about his vision for the future and much more. Um, so let's dig into it and I hope you guys enjoy the interview. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Clear CEO. We've got Luke Schneider on the show. Luke, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Cool to see what you what you got going on here. I'm excited to be a part of it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on. Really pumped to kind of get to know more about you and more about Cleat Clear. Um, but before we dig into the company as a whole, there's one question I do like to ask everybody that gets on the show, which is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Luke Schneider? I would say I'm Luke Schneider. I'm passionate about, you know, making an impact in the sports world and helping athletes play better. I'm super passionate about sports. So I wouldn't necessarily come out and say, hey, I'm CEO of this brand. I'd kind of say I'm a sports fan who's passionate about making the game safer place, fun place, and, you know, I love and crave competition in, in any any realm. So I, you know, whatever I can contribute to, to the sports industry is is a plus for me. All right. So before we before we kind of started the recording, you were kind of going into your background a little bit while you're in St. Pete. So I guess kind of go through that a little bit, where you're located right now, kind of where you're from and how you all got um, some of these connections. Yeah. So right now I'm in St. Pete, Florida. I was actually born in Orlando, and then my dad's family's from Wisconsin, so moved up to Wisconsin, spent my early life there, played Kansas City, um, went to high school in Kansas City, and played pretty competitive travel ball there. Um, team called the KC Barnstormers that's produced a lot of D1 prospects, including guys like Joey Wentz, who big Tigers prospect, um, was with them for a short time and graduated high school, and then Went down to Stetson University where guys like DeGrom, Kluber, uh, Logan Gilbert was in my class there. So pretty cool baseball scene there. Uh, Spent a fall on the team before car accident kind of changed the outcome, but it gave me an opportunity to to develop the this Clear product. And 
Um, been down in Florida ever since. All right. So let's dig into Click Clear as a whole. I know you said you've had that in your mind since your high since you were in high school. Well, let's just dig straight into it. So when did the idea come about to you? And like, just take us through that process of the idea stage all the way up to when Click Clear officially became a company. Yeah. So I had the idea. I played three sports in high school. Um, one of them being soccer and our soccer field wasn't necessarily the best in Kansas city uh, as a lot of the Midwest gets in the fall, pretty unpredictable weather could be 89 degrees one day and sunny. And then the next day could be 40 and raining. So it was one of the 40 and raining days and sliding around with my cleats, dirt caked in the cleats and couldn't get any traction. So that night after practice, you know, we would just get sticks from the woods during practice to, to pick the dirt out if our fingers didn't work. So went home, Googled tool that cleans cleats and nothing really existed. When I searched it, it was just a bunch of random things that had those keywords for their SEO. And, you know, over the course of the next couple of years, obviously big baseball fan, that was my, that was my number one sport. So I'd be watching the MLB playoffs and there would be guys, you know, using g- big garden tools, sharp garden tools, popsicle sticks, all the normal things, you know, athletes see nowadays. And I was like, there's got to be something better than this. So after a little more research, um, didn't really see anything. So had my intro to business class in high school kind of to develop a some type of makeshift business plan you know I didn't really know what I was doing I was just kind of writing the idea down and then when all that stuff happened in college I actually a mutual friend um, with my roommate in college was a a material science engineer and kind of told him the idea and what I wanted it to look like and the concept he was able to cab design it we came up with some prototypes of different materials and Obviously, I, I knew guys on the on the baseball team at Stetson at the time, so they were helping me out, kind of test the ideas and the designs, and finally settled on on one that worked. And then, you know, since then, it's it's grown a lot. So, how long did it take from when you were having that conversation with your roommate, who's a who's a uh, was you said a material scientist? Yeah, he uh, he studied. So it, it's my it was my roommate's high school friend who was a material science engineer at Northwestern at the time. So it took probably, I don't know, a few months, maybe a semester from when I told him the idea and what I wanted it to look like until we got to CAD designing it. And both of our schools had 3D printers available in our library. So we kind of 3D printed the first prototypes. um, And yeah, we went from there. Okay, so kind of take us to this timeline. So when exactly was that? You said it was your freshman or sophomore year of college? Yeah, that would have been my sophomore year of college. So that would have been like the fall of 2016. Okay, and then at what? And when exactly did you start Cleat Clear? So Cleat Clear, I believe I founded the LLC in 2018. Well, I had two LLCs. I think I had one from 2017 to 2018 and then I had one from 2018 till today. So I I'm, I don't come from an entrepreneur background and I don't come for money. So I, I kind of had to figure this out trial by error and figure it all out myself. So I did make some 
some mistakes and there's a lot of things that that you learn al along the way but yeah this company as it's known today clear, clear is a uh, two three years old okay so when you guys did when you fight guys finally did that did get that final product you were like all right i think this is exactly what we want um how like when was it that you started to think of okay now we need to come up with a name for this that way we can start maybe this the, the llc start the business and can, can i take us through that naming process a little bit what ended up why was it clear clear and were some other, were there some other options that you uh, were deciding along the process yeah so um I think when we first started prototyping like 2016, 2017, the original name of the product was the Schneider Spike <laughs> is my last name and Spike. And then I was like, well, if we wanted to expand, you know, the company or the product as we go forward, you know, I, I don't think I was looking at products on the shelves. I was like, there's not too many last names associated with these products. So I need to come up with something more generic, more catchy, more, um, you know, descriptive of what the product actually does. So it was kind of, I, I read something online in like 2017 that said, if you have like the C sound in like the CK sound in a word, it's more like it's, it triggers something in the brain to like, people are going to remember it more. So we started coming up with, I don't know, we had a list of names and Clear Clear was one that not only described what the product was but it also had that ck sound and was pretty succinct so that's that's what we ended up going with so you said when you're going along this process there's a lot of trial and error that you were kind of figuring stuff out and made a couple of mistakes throughout this process so as you went from the idea stage to where you're actually prototyping it to where your guys are at now what's been like the like the most difficult part of the process and maybe some mistakes that if you look back, if you, if you were to go back in time, maybe you could have avoided um, in the past. Yeah. So I don't know if this is going to be a literal too vulnerable, but um, you know, I, I really struggle with anxiety a lot and being a CEO of a company, especially one that ends up being successful. Um, you have to wear a lot of hats. You have to be okay with failing. You have to put out fires and learn new things every day and be okay with that. And, you know, my anxiety and trying to get this to a point where I could work with, you know, bigger companies and have more success with the company, you know, it really weighed on me. And I, I didn't really reach out for help a lot because I was really scared of people who were going to take advantage of me, which is something that I was warned about. And so I'd say prioritizing my mental health and just being okay with taking things as they come and learning the lessons as they come, you know, being more okay with that, not being as hard on myself. Um, I know that's a little abstract of an answer, but I think it does make a world of difference, especially if you don't come from an entrepreneurial background or a background where, you know, money can fix your mistakes. So yeah, I think just being easier on yourself, trusting your, your instincts and, you know, people are going to tell you a lot of things, how they should do, how they would want to do it, you know, what things work for them, what things didn't work for them. But I think, you know, you listen to these, I love listening to successful entrepreneurs talk about their journey, and they're all very different. You kind of have to take your own personal net worth, your own circumstances, you know, the connections that you have, and kind of craft your own story. There's not really a shadow or, you know, a blueprint that is out there that 
you personally can follow to a T. There's going to be some changes and differences and you kind of have to be creative in how you overcome those obstacles and utilize what's available to you to your advantage. So yeah, that, that's kind of my long winded answer to the, to the yeah. question. So you said that when you were going through this process, you do like listening to guys who uh, people like CEOs, uh, uh, company owners who are successful, successful in their own business side and they all have their own journey. But when you were going through this process, who are some guys that, you know, you would like to go listen to, you know, you go on, go to podcasts and listen to something that they've talked about. Who are some of those guys that you kind of not, I'm not going to say looked up to, but just kind of went to for advice and kind of listened to when you were going through the whole process. Yeah. I'd say my cookie cutter answer is Mark Cuban, just because he's a sports guy, but I'd say my more outside of the box answer would be Jesse Itzler and uh, Sarah Blakely. So Sarah Blakely is the founder of Spanx and Jesse Itzler's had numerous companies over the years, but those two I've really looked up to. Um, they're, they're married now and they both have super successful companies, obviously Spanx and then Jesse is a, a serial entrepreneur. And I kind of draw, drew inspiration from um, Sarah's journey and finding her manufacturing and no one believed in her idea and she kind of just never gave up until she found someone who would who would help make her product for her um so i think those those two are really cool they have a lot of podcasts and um interviews out there and i would i would definitely recommend people go listen to them okay well mark cuban i mean he's a he's a guy that i know pretty well here because he went to indiana i'm gonna have to to go listen to those two other guys no but a funny story on cuban he was he was actually here in bloomington about two weeks ago, it was the first week back for school. Um, and I, I work at one of the more popular bars in town. And there was a night that he was supposed to be coming in. I was supposed to be his bodyguard for the night. I was so psyched, so pumped. And then he didn't, he didn't show up. So, but no, I was, no, Mark Cuban's a guy that here, here in Bloomington, here in Indiana, uh, a lot of, a lot of our business school majors, a lot of our sports management and, uh, majors, they, they definitely look up to Cuban. I mean, there's, I mean, he, like you said, it's kind of like a cookie cutter thing. Um, but no, I'm definitely gonna have to go listen to those two other people um, to see how they kind of went along the process. You said Sarah Blakely, and what was the second one? Jesse Itzler. It's a husband and wife. Okay. So Jesse, Jesse, he actually start his first company was he was actually signed to the same label at the same time as Ice T as a rapper, and he kind of fizzled out. Didn't his his record didn't do re- very well, and then he started writing jingles for nba teams so there was a popular like during the ewing knicks playoff run in the early or mid 90s there was a this super popular like go knicks go song i might be messing up the name of it but he wrote a jingle for that and then he's like wow i made a bunch off of royalties for this so i'm gonna go and write jingles for all the other teams and he packaged them up and ended up selling them that's how he made his you know first millions in his mid-20s Wow, that's 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 an interesting story. I mean, I, I've never I've never heard of that before, but that's kind of cool. I mean, I've always I've always remember like "Go Cubs Go." Um, that's a cool jingle, but um, that that's that's a cool story for him. But when you started Clear, Clear, was this? So obviously, you said you were going through the prototype stage when you were a sophomore. So did you start the company when you're like a junior senior? Like I'm not. I guess I really yeah. don't know. I you said Logan Gilbert was in your class, so that means you're kind of a younger guy. Um, so when, did, when exactly did you start Cleat Clear when it comes to like college compared to starting the company? 
Yeah, so I was in college for three years from 2015 to 2018. I graduated in 2018. Um, and, you know, we started prototyping my sophomore year. And then kind of my second, third year in school was when I actually started the company and got serious about, you know, Cleat Clear as a product and trying to get it into the hands of MLB players and MLB teams. So how did you how did you go about getting it in the hands of MLB teams, other prospects, uh, just baseball players in general when you were first starting out? Like, how did you go about that? Yeah, so my pitching coach with the travel team I mentioned in Kansas City, he ended up becoming an area scout for the Rockies. So he had a lot of guys, you know, in in the Midwest that he worked with and was scouting and he helped me get get the product in some some of the hands of them but it was mainly through you know the Stetson guys and leveraging that um and you know just other personal connections that I had I had worked for the Brewers for a year and you know how I got it to you know major league teams is my my strategy was if I can get it into the hands of major league teams and show them the value in this product then when I, it was time to scale the product, you know, whether it be e-commerce or retail, it would have some brand recognition. And it would be an easy marketing point to be like, hey, the big league guys use this, so should you type of thing. So my first client was um, an MLB team of New York. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the names because MLB is super strict about stuff, but um, I ended up working with both of the pro teams in New York, but one of the teams that's on Long Island, they, um, they were my first order and I just emailed them simply from, you know, a Gmail account. <laughs> and I was like, Hey, I have this product. Um, you, you should try it out. And they were like, yeah. So they ordered a few, loved it. Um, then I leveraged that to go to, you know, teams all, all down the East coast. And I, I positioned myself in Florida because of you know, I think 14 teams are here for spring training. So it was kind of a good place where I already had some connections and otherwise utilizing Instagram and just an email account. It's crazy. If your product is a good product, doesn't matter. I wasn't even emailing from like a Cleat Clear Outlook account yet. It was just a Cleat Clear Gmail account and I was still getting traction. So that that was pretty pretty cool to see and pretty exciting when I was starting to to get into the major leagues that way. So when you when you got that first when you got that first client, one of those pro teams in New York, uh, what type of paperwork was there? Like you said, I know you said Major League Baseball is super strict. I mean, they're strict on a lot of stuff when it comes to video, just stuff stuff in general when it kind of all comes to marketing. So what type of paperwork was there needed to be filled out, or what what was the process that officially made it that made it official um, for them to be your client? Right. So it's not as some teams are more complex than others. Some teams will have like a, a set process of they send you to their accounts payable department and then they send a written check and you just deposit it like a normal check. Some of them, you know, they want you to send a PayPal link and then they'll pay through the PayPal link. Some of them will just order straight off the website. So it kind of depends on the organization and who's ordering. Um, for the first client that you mentioned, I just said, you know, here's how much it costs for these units that you want. And then they said, okay. And they sent a, a check in the mail about a month later. 
Okay. So generally when teams are ordering from you, like how many, how many are they generally ordering? Like one for each player or like how big are those orders generally? And how often do they happen? Cause I, for, I mean, I take it that the product um, stays, stays usable for a pretty long time. Right. Um, so it depends again, it depends on the team and who I'm selling to. Uh, we first were targeting clubbies like clubhouse managers for the teams and they like to have, they like having their own, you know, makeshift tools that they like to use for things. Um, but the athletic trainers of the teams we found really love the product, especially from a safety standpoint. And they always carry them in their bags and have them in the dugout. So that was, that became kind of our primary focus. You know, some of them, some of the sales became player development people, um, so it kind of depends. Some teams order just for major league players. Some of them order for a couple specific players. Some order order for the whole organization. Um, so, you know, we tested speaking to the how long they last. In our prototyping stage, we tested a variety of different, you know, plastics and metals. And we settled on one that was slightly more durable. We recommend two cleat clears per athlete per season. Um, especially when it's as long as the big league season. So you'll have teams order anywhere from like 20 to 100, depending on, you know, when and where they're ordering. We have had some teams order. One of the teams on the East Coast has ordered, they've done four orders of 20 units over the past two seasons. Um, some teams order 100 and then they're, they're done for a year or two. Um, so it kind of depends. So what's your what's your biggest clientele base? Is it these is it these pro organizations that are ordering all these? Is it maybe individual players who are reaching out, um, who are like, hey, I really looked uh, this product, really like it. High school kids, like, what's your biggest clientele when it comes to selling the most products? Right. Yep. Um, so right now it is professional organizations. Um, we have limitations right now with our manufacturing, um, and you know, there's a lot of proprietary stuff uh, I'm sure I could get into. I'm trying to filter out what I should and shouldn't say, but um, pro teams are basically our biggest base right now, but we're in the process of, of making a deal with a company who is going to help us scale it to retail stores, get it in the hands of, you know, little leaguers and on shelves and, and things of that nature. So that, that snowball is already rolling down the hill and, you know, soon in the next couple months you're going to start seeing uh cleat clear a lot more places than than you already do you kind of initially just emailing clubbies emailing uh, athletic trainers stuff like that but now that you guys have gotten more popular how has that networking how has that reach out process has it changed at all or is it kind of still the same when you're trying to reach out and kind of get more and try to try to reach out to uh, newer clients yeah so like i said from a leverage standpoint, it gets easier. You don't really explicitly say, hey, these people use it, so you should to use it too. But you can kind of hint at it in different ways. And I would say the overall process is somewhat similar, just you know, expressing that you have value that you could provide to them. And a lot of people, especially at the price point that Clee Clear is at, and you know how much money these teams make it's it's not that big of an investment to to try out a product like this and it's a unique product so we haven't really had any issues in 
trying to, to get people to use it initially, but from a networking standpoint, I would say the process remains the same. It just gets easier because obviously the more people you get to know in a certain industry, word gets around, people know people, and yeah, it just, it, it kind of gets easier the, the deeper you get. Yeah. So when you guys started in 2018, was it kind of just, was it you and then the guy, the scientist who was making the product, or did you have other employees? And then what's, what's that, um, uh, what's that staff base kind of looking like right now? Is it mainly just you right now? Or do you guys, do you have some other guys who are underneath you right now also reaching out to people also doing some other stuff within the company? Yeah. So it's kind of, that's kind of been an experiment as well. At first it was just um, Peter and I, Peter being an engineer and, you know, in terms of people who have stuck with the company the entire time, it's been just us. We've had some part-time workers help with, prospecting and and help with outreach and some marketing things and you know it was just kind of like an hourly basis to help out more like interns than employees um so it's still just me and pete we've had a couple partners um one being alex katz who runs stadium custom kicks he does a lot of um, custom cleats for mlb players and nfl players and he was uh he was very helpful in connecting us with you know, some big league players and, and people who could test out the product and helped a little bit on the marketing side and the website. So he's kind of been the primary partner that has, has helped work with us, but otherwise it's just been me and Peter. Okay. Yeah, actually I was good, but I was going to bring stadium custom kicks up here in a little bit. Um, so how did that relationship start with Alex? And then are there any other relationships you have with other companies who are trying to break their way into the baseball industry as well? Yeah, so Alex, um, I had I played summer ball down in Florida before the summer before college, and a kid on my team, he was best friends with, or he grew up with Alex's old business partner, and when Alex broke off from his old company to start Stadium Custom Kicks, we just kept in touch. Um, I knew I wanted to work with him somehow because he he sees business the way I do, and he's he loves baseball, obviously, and. Um, he's a good guy. So we just kept in touch and kind of shared our networks and shared ideas. And he's, he's stuck around and wanted to be part of the brand because I think he saw some potential in it. Um, so that's kind of how that relationship started. I would go up and, um, you know, do different things up there with his company. And he would help, you know, facilitate photo shoots and marketing content for Cleat Clear and just kind of a cool, you know, working relationship partnership where we helped each other out. Um, in terms of other companies, you know, other than the companies that we're currently working with to, to scale the product, there's not really any brands per se that, you know, are integral part to our company. We've kind of kept it a close knit circle um, for a reason. Cause once you start getting too many people involved, it gets harder and harder to, to make a deal with somebody who can help you scale. Um, so yeah, I'd say there's not really any other brands that are worth mentioning here, but um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what the journey has been like so far. Okay. Yeah. But so now that you guys have like the whole production process, you guys know how to produce it now for a couple of years now. So what exactly is that production process now, now that you guys have had this prototype for a super long time, been selling now for, I mean, it's 2022. So say four years. So what's the whole production process of the cleat clear right now? 
Yeah, so this is something I really had to educate myself on and, and constantly shop around, you know, what's best for the company and what's best for the brand and the product. So we're currently shifting um, our manufacturing focus right now. Um, but how we have been producing them was just outside of Greenville, South Carolina. I had a connection to an injection molding company that took a chance on doing a, a run of product. And so that's, that's just outside of Greenville made in the USA. Um, so it was basically going to them saying, Hey, would you guys be willing to take a chance on, you know, doing an injection mold for this and, you know, run off some units of this material and kind of went from there. Um, now we're kind of, as we're scaling, we're looking into other options that have more flexibility with quantities and you know supply chain logistics since COVID has been a nightmare so you know that's something that we've been focusing on as we scale um kind of figuring out overcoming the challenges that, that go along with those things so that's probably yeah that's probably didn't answer completely I was a little vague there but that's probably all I can say right now regarding manufacturing so you mentioned COVID was kind of a nightmare. So what were some, uh, obviously for every industry, COVID, I mean, I mean, COVID wasn't good for really anything, but um, every industry kind of had their own struggles when it came to COVID. So what were some of the, what were some of the problems and maybe some of the struggles that you had to deal with when COVID hit and just throughout that whole year, year and a half? Yeah. So just in terms of supply chain logistics, which is a term that basically means how you get the physical product in your hand from the idea stage is, you know, a lot of materials in the U S obviously come from China and overseas and COVID put a delay on a lot of those materials. They were harder to get ports were being, you know, more strict with what they were letting in plastics were higher in price because, you know, a bunch of plants in Texas were shutting down and, so that drove plastics costs up. Um, so there's a lot of macro and microeconomic um, implications to, you know, what COVID caused in terms of raw material prices and shipping costs and things like that, which obviously drive unit costs up on my end. Um, so kind of just managing those situations, not really knowing when products and raw materials would be available so we can make more units, et cetera. So, you know, figuring all of that out is kind of a puzzle and not knowing when things are going to kind of be back to normal and be back to, you know, prices plateauing in terms of manufacturing costs. So that, that's kind of what, what it was like. Okay. So on the marketing side of things, obviously with you guys being in the sports world, being in the baseball world and name image and likeness kind of being a new thing that started in 2021, have you guys, have you guys looked into it at all about having some potential NIL opportunities or is there other endorsement opportunities you've worked with with some minor league guys um, on that side of things when working with individual players for marketing? Have you guys thought about that at all? Yeah, so we have kind of kept marketing very close to the vest. We haven't really done much marketing due to um, some manufacturing restrictions. But now that we're opening up and scaling it to a way higher degree with some partners who have who are going to inject some cash into the company, you know, it's going to be a lot easier to, to market and to explore these different options. Um, 
you know, I had put, you know, Peter as well, we've put completely financed the company ourselves with our own money. And because we both don't come from money, um, there's a certain limit to that. So we've had to reach outside of ourselves to, to scale to the level that we want to scale to. But in terms of NIL and, and marketing opportunities, we have worked with some pro players in the past um, in terms of you know social media posts and things like that. We haven't really done any NIL deals yet just because the landscape is not really set in stone. It still seems like there's some question marks around it, but if it's something that becomes more more mainstream and, and accepted. Um, maybe I'm just uneducated on it right now, but, uh, you know, I'm definitely open to, to, you know, influencers or, or players or people with the following, you know, promoting the product. Okay. Yeah. So right now, Cleat Clear is the actual product, the Cleat Clear that you guys have on your guys' website. It's one item, which is, which is the, the thing that you made. The, your idea. So is there any plan to potentially have some different items here in the future, a plan for a clear, clear 2.0 or right now, are you guys pretty good with what you guys have? Yeah. So I, we're going to be opening, um, you know, some more options to the site fairly soon. We're going to have different levels of product and pricing and customer, uh, you know, customized products that, you know, you can put on your team sticker or logo or, name and, and different things that are can be customized for the product. So those features are, are going to be coming soon. In terms of looking past the product, that's definitely on the table. We've looked at either acquiring other products. So you kind of touch on it there, but um, just as you guys continue on into the future, past 2022 to 23, 24, 25, whatever it is, what's your guys' vision here for the company these next couple of years? Yeah, the vision is definitely going to be to to scale the product to the to the masses domestically and then internationally. Cleat Clear is not just a product that is for baseball. Um, we started in baseball just because that's where my personal network was. But you know, the the narrow end is specifically measured to fit around baseball. You know, metal spikes, and then the wider end is measured to fit around plastic spikes. So think football, soccer, lacrosse. You know, those types of sports. So, you know, but it's also got the dual functionality of the narrow end getting in the narrow crevices to clean dirt, wider end cover, more surface area at the bottom of the sole. But, you know, going forward, we're looking to expand, you know, the product to different price points and, you know, be able to customize the product in, in various ways in terms of, you know, names engraved or team colors or things of that nature. So. We're definitely going to be expanding the product as well as potentially acquiring some other products um, in the sports industry space, um, potentially some IP that will, you know, Cleat Clear is not just going to be a brand of only tools that clean cleats. It could be, you know, various tools that help keep, keep athletes safe um, and, and playing their best. So, yeah, going into the future, definitely going to be expanding and, and we're looking forward to it. All right. So one last question here for you. So all for all the listeners listening in, interested in the product, where do they find you guys at? So we are at cleatclear.com, C-L-E-A-T-C-L-E-A-R, one word, cleatclear.com. That's where you can order uh, Cleat Clears. You can reach out to CEO at cleatclear.com is my personal email or um, support at cleatclear.com for various business inquiries. But 
yeah, Cleat Clear on social media and yeah, cleatclear.com. All right, there we go. Luke, I, that's all the questions I got for you. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Like I said, I'm a big, I mean, I'm not, a, I can't say I'm a big fan of your product because I don't use it. I'm not a ball player anymore, but I mean, I like what you guys are doing. I ran across your page. I don't know. It was probably about a year ago at this time. And I just liked your guys' vision, liked the idea you guys had going out. Um, so I really appreciate you coming on the show. I really enjoyed learning more about you, learning more about Cleat Clear and overall what you guys got going on here these next, uh, in the here in the future. So I uh, just want to thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jace. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR podcast, episode number two of three this weekend. It's great hearing from Luke, great hearing about what's going on there with Cleat Clear. Uh, just two great episodes so far this weekend with Brian Stewart yesterday of Crack and Bat Grip, today with Luke Schneider of Cleat Clear. Really just want to thank them both for coming on the show. Got another great episode going on tomorrow with Cardstock Exchange CEO Zachary Lynch coming on the show. Um, it's going to be one of our last episodes of the business side of sports here for a little bit. Got a new series coming up here with one of the best travel ball teams in the United States. So I'm pumped to get that rolling. We're set to announce that here tomorrow on our Instagram, on our social medias, um, who, what that team's going to be. But just to let you know, it's going to be 20, 25, possibly even 30 interviews with people amongst their organization. So I'm pumped to get this rolling. Going to be a five, six-week project. Um, but to check out who that is, for any more updates on the podcast, check out our social media, check out our website. Social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Website's going to be www.jkrpodcast.com. Um, so I'll catch you guys tomorrow for that last interview of the weekend, and I'll see you then.